Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. All right. Beautiful day today. I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying the sun, the, the dry air. I'm not a humidity person. I love heat, but I do not love humidity. I can handle the heat, but not the humidity. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be looking at the legacy of Abraham's faith, uh, kind of resuming from last week, obviously. We're in Romans 3. Now we're in Romans 4. Uh, go ahead and turn there if you want. Um, if you don't have your own Bible, the Pew Bible, uh, page 1297 will be Romans chapter 4. And while we're turning there, while you're turning there, we'll see how awake you are this morning. <clears throat> so, um, Holmes and Watson are out on an adventure. And it's starting to get late, so as they're traveling, they said, well, we probably should set up camp for tonight. So what they do is they, they pitch their tent, they get ready, and they kind of go through their bedtime rituals, whatever, and then they're out. Little while, well, a little while later, sometime in the middle of the night, Holmes wakes up and says, Watson, Watson, look up into the sky and tell me what you see. He says, I see millions and millions of stars. He says, and what does that tell you? He says, well, there's millions and millions of stars, so the, the sky is vast, the space is vast, and there can be even planets beyond that and things that we don't even know, and God is so much bigger than us. He says, and what else do you deduce from that? He says, well, I don't know that there could be even other solar systems or other things that are out there. And Holmes says, Watson, you are an idiot. Clearly that if you can look up and see the stars, someone has stolen our tent. Oh, you guys are asleep. First service got a whole lot bigger chuckle out of that than you guys. <laughs> With that, though, Somebody told somebody else about the stars. That was God talking to Abraham. And that was going to be his descendants, right? More than you can count in the stars. And I don't know about you, but that just blows my mind. Um, when we lived in the high desert, um, you don't have the city lights at all. You can go out probably about 30 minutes. Um, we live close to Mojave, so you go out to Mojave Desert, and there's, it's just black. And when you look up, it is just spectacular. There are more stars than you really see on a regular basis because of the whole difference in lighting from like the earth and cities and all that kind of stuff. And it's just unbelievable. And yet you think about God talking to Abraham and that his descendants were gonna be greater than the stars. And with that, we also have to keep, kind of keep in mind there's an element of time there that we sometimes just jump right over. Because when God was talking to Abraham about this whole aspect of time, not time, descendants, he was 100 years old without children. And so that automatically help, helps us to understand that, okay, God's timetable and our timetable are completely different. Because when we want stuff done, right, we want it done in the microwave second. That's how we like things. We like it fast, we like it immediate, if we can get it faster, better, hotter, smarter, we want that. But God doesn't work that way. And so as he kind of worked with Abraham, Abraham began to trust who God was 
and what he had for him. And we can start to understand that the decisions we make and how we live our life makes a huge difference. Now, I, Abraham is one of my all-time favorite people of the Bible because I can't conceive of climbing a mountain with my only son and sacrificing him on an altar. I can't imagine it. But Abraham was that sold out for God that he was willing to do that because he trusted God. And, and as we'll see in a couple of verses, he was sold out completely for God. And what a, a legacy that gives for us. Now today, you know, it's Father's Day and that, that's sort of the bent of legacy that I, I want dads to really keep in mind. You know, what legacy are you leaving in your family? What are your children picking up? It was funny, uh, we were in the pool yesterday and we were talking about different stuff and I think it was either my wife or my daughter said something and Andrew and I said the exact same thing at the exact same time. And it's like, when you live together long, you know, for 18 or 20 years, you tend to act like one another, for the good and the bad. <laughs> but anyway, you become who you spend time with. Abraham spent time with the Lord. And that is so vital. Because the legacy that, that we can leave then becomes God's legacy truly. Because we want to transform our thinking. We want to transform our minds. We want to change our heart because it tends to lean towards the world. And God says, no, I want you to lean toward me. And so we see that happening in Abraham's life. We should see that happening in our life. And as we kind of look at Romans 4 today, I want you to think about the decisions you're making on a regular basis, the choices you're making. And not just out in the world, but especially at home. Because even though uh, we don't realize it, everybody's watching. Everybody's watching. Our children are watching, our neighbors are watching. It's not that we live for them, but I want you to, to think about it in the, in the positive way that we have a phenomenal opportunity to be a witness and a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. With all the things that we do on a regular basis, we can impact for him. So that said, first, we're going to go from Romans 4. We're going to travel down to verse 19. The legacy of Abraham's faith was anchored in giving glory to God. Verse 19. It says, And being not, I'm sorry, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So we can see here that, you know, Abraham, his faith was anchored in what God was doing. But even greater than that, it was anchored in giving glory to God. And we struggle with that, don't we? We struggle with glory. We like it. We don't, don't we? You know, if you've been watching the basketball finals, LeBron likes glory. <laughs> It's really obvious. He likes attention. He likes praise. It's really clear. But we do too, if we want to be honest, because that helps us feel something. If we are lacking in an area, we like to be built up. We like to be glorified. But only God is the one who deserves glory. 
So when we live our lives, though, in a way where we're anchored to giving God the glory, all of a sudden we become an incredible conduit. Incredible conduit. Because when we can be trusted to give God the glory for all that we're doing, God uses us more. He, he, we become a tool that is trusted in his hand and skillful in his hand because it's yielded to him. And again, we look at Abraham's legacy of how he did that. And the cool thing is, is he didn't do it perfect. It's not about being perfect. Please don't, don't walk away with that. It's not about being perfect. But it is about being yielded. Abraham was yielded. I mean, think about it. Are you ready today if beyond the shadow of a doubt, you know, you, person in the pew, go west today. That's all you knew. And you knew it was God, and you knew it was him telling you to just go west. Are you ready to do that? Abraham was. God said, go, and he said, okay, I will. There was no map quest thing. There was no GPS that he gave him. There were no coordinates. He just said, go, and Abraham went. He was that prepared to follow God. And we can get caught up in life, and we can get caught up in the busyness of life, and when that, those moments come, we waver. We waffle. We're challenged. But that's not what happened here with Abraham. He was anchored in giving God the glory, and he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. And that's another key piece we have to look at. See, God's promises are what we need to be focused on and anchored to as well. See, we have our own promises sometimes that we want God to live up to. God, you're supposed to be doing this in my life and that in my life, and it's supposed to be good, and it's supposed to be right, and it's supposed to be... Not necessarily. Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. See, operating in faith is trusting him and what he can do. It's allowing him to, to really call the shots in our life. And the thing is, is we have to trust that God knows better. We have to trust God completely. And sometimes, you know, it, what we think about God really comes into play here. Do we think God is the ultimate cosmic killjoy? Do we think that God just wants to make our life miserable? Do we think that God just wants to make life hard on us? Do we think that God just has this list of rules that we have to follow? Not true. If, if anything that we've learned through Romans this far is works is not a piece of this at all. It's what we believe. It's what we trust. Just like Abraham. And that was the legacy we start see being built, anchored in giving glory to God, and all the incredible things that happen, God be the glory, to God be the glory, to God be the glory. Not that he verbalized that, but that's where his heart was. How do we know that? Because that's what it says here, giving glory to God. And it may not have been outwardly, he may not have said every time somebody praised him, or every time something happened, oh, glory to God. That may not have been how it was. It could have been something in his Prayer time where it's like, God, it is all yours. I am undeserving. I am not the person who should have these things. These are your works in my life. And his faith was anchored there. 
And when our faith is anchored there too, we have the opportunity to start building the legacy because it's the foundation that we build it on. God's glory, giving him. Abraham knew God's promises and experienced God keeping them. And that's the key. See, it's God's promises that he's going to stay true to, not our interpretation of them, not what we think they should look like, we think they should sound like, we think they should be. They're God's promises done in God's way and his timing. And again, like I said earlier, we struggle with his timing. I do. I, know, I am not a patient person, not even remotely. Ask any of my children. Not patient. <laughs> God has grown me in that over the years, for sure. I still struggle with it. But looking at God's timetable, I'm willing to wait. Because God knows exactly how these things should unfold. God understands why things should happen in a certain way. And I've got to trust him, just as you do. Secondly, Abraham's faith was fueled by God's omnipotence. The fact that he is all-powerful. He was fully convinced. Verse 21 says this, And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Do you ever contemplate God's omnipotence? I mean, we see it pretty strong at creation. You know, something out of nothing. But do we consider how it's at work today? What is his power doing? How is it accomplishing things now? Can we experience it in our life today? Or is it just for the Old Testament? See, I would say we can experience it today. We should be experiencing it today, more so. Being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. And again, it's tied there again. We see it again, what he promised. See, we have our own concoctions there so many times. God has said it again, and when there's repetition, there's a reason. It's for what God promised, not what we think. It's for what God promised, what he promised, not how we interpret it. And so we have got to yield. Not only that, we have got to study. We have got to be in his word. Because it's like, how can we expect him to answer promises we don't even know of? See, that's where we get kind of derailed. God's at work, and he's, he can be doing things around us, and if we're not aware of what he's doing, we're missing his hand. See, that's why it's so key that we are in the book, that we are in his scripture, that it becomes part of who we are. Understanding his promises and, and how they look, and God is faithful. That's the one thing I, I can not say enough. He is faithful, he is faithful, he is faithful. That if we are pursuing him, and if we are in his word, and if we are trying to unearth those promises, he reveals them. He's a faithful God. He wants us to understand that. I mean, becoming a parent revolutionized my relationship with God. Because I knew how much I wanted to pour into my children. I knew how much I wanted good to happen in their life. I knew how much I wanted to do for them. And if I, being sinful and earthly, want these things, made in God's image, yes, how much more does our Heavenly Father want for us? 
How much more does he want to pour into our lives, be a part of our lives, provide things for us, do things that are going to be incredibly amazing in our lives? But just like our kids, we think we know better. We think we have a better idea. We think we know what our needs really are. You know, mom and dad, you're just out to lunch. You don't know. And they do their own thing. And that's where being patient to wait and to pray <laughs> and let God work in their lives becomes so key. If you're single, the struggle is, when's it all going to happen? When's my plan going to take off? When are the things that I want to happen in life going to happen? How come they're not happening now? Why don't I see his hand? Why don't I hear his voice? Why does it have to be so challenging? God wants us to diligently seek him. And as a single person, you have the most time you're ever going to have to pursue him, to go after him. And when you do that, amazing things can happen in your life. Incredible things can take place in your life. And you can become fully convinced of who God is and what he can do in a life. Because if you're not fully convinced, if you're just half-hearted, it's not going to work. Christ was wholly on the cross, not just halfway. He carried the cross. He hung on the cross wholly, completely. He was all in for the Father's plan. I mean, I am blown away. I mean, I always go back to the garden when I think about Christ and just the struggle that was there. Christ, holy, perfect, you know, righteous. Father, not my will but yours be done. was his prayer. He struggled. He worked through that. So are we. We're going to struggle with stuff. We're going to have to work through stuff because there, it's challenging sometimes to follow God. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be just, ooh, God's just floating me through this world. Isn't it great being a Christian because it's all oh, just rainbows and butterflies? How does he get glory if we just skate through life See, the one thing that I see the unsaved world amazed at is when we handle stuff that's overwhelming in very underwhelming fashion. They're like, how come this hasn't devastated you? How come this hasn't taken your feet out from under you? How come this hasn't just made you collapse into a heap? Because God's at work in my life. I've got a Heavenly Father who's at work and He's carrying me along and He's doing these things and how can I collapse when he's at work. And people want to know that God, and people want to know more about him and what's going on there. Now, I'll tell you a little story. This whole idea of not wavering and being fully convinced. Um, there was a time when we were on the mission field, and God moved us 12 hours from where we were. And so what happened was, is I was... Uh, we had two kids, we had Andrew and Ashley then, and so I was taking these little survey trips to try to find housing for us. And God opened this incredible door 
to where we could actually buy a house in this one particular community. It was, we were like, we never thought we'd own a home, especially as missionaries. So it was like mind blowing for us. So anyways, I had gone down on this one trip. I bought this house unseen to my wife. She had no idea what it looked like or what it was gonna be. And so went back home and said, okay, I found a house. Here's our closing date. This is how it's all gonna work out. Well, her parents had already planned a trip to visit us. So they had tickets and everything. And so they had just come out. And so we were gonna have to travel down for a closing. And so there was a family in the church who had one of those little mini Winnie Winnebago things. It's like a Toyota front with a Winnebago on the back. So all of us piled into that and they said, go ahead and take it down and do what you gotta do. And so we got into that, we went down, got to Los Angeles area, did the closing, went through the house, everybody got to see the house. And so then we had to travel back and then move. And so what we did is on our, our plan to get, head back to where we were living at, the, at that time, there was a campground. And so we were gonna go stop there because they had a pool and some places for the kids to play and just kind of have a good time on the way back. And so we're all, we can get there, set up camp, go head to the pool. And so, you know, it's 108, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's 80 in the pool and it's wonderful. And we're all having a good time. And so it's Deb and I, Andrew and Ashley, and then my in-laws. And so the kids are jumping off from the sides into the pool. There's my lovely daughter up there. There she is, that, that was her then. And so Howie, I don't know if you know my, my father-in-law, who is now deceased, but uh, tall guy, so the water was probably up to you know, maybe his thighs. So it doesn't look deep, right, to a little kid, because it's like, look at how tall Grampy is out of the water. So anyways, they were jumping into the water and we were having a good time. Well, my father-in-law turned to talk to me and Ashley didn't notice that he had turned and she jumped right in, as she had been doing, and sank right to the bottom. And so you know, I immediately said, turn around, get her. She went right down. And so my father-in-law scooped her up, and she was startled beyond startled because she didn't expect that. You know, every other time I was caught, every other time I was safe, every other time nothing happened. And this time I sank to the bottom, and I didn't know how to get to the top. Freaked her out. Now my kids love, I mean, today they all love the water. In fact, if you saw pictures my wife posted, I'm a grandfather now so I can do this kind of stuff. My wife posted pictures of my granddaughter in the pool yesterday, which the first thing she did was lay back in her little, the stuff they have for kids now blows my mind. So it's this little like, I don't know, baby condo in the water. And she just lays back and started kicking her feet and she loves the water. So it's kind of a neat heredity thing, I guess. But anyway, Ashley immediately got out of the water and she didn't want any part of it. And so, all right, honey, come on, let's go over to the side. And I said, okay, I got right to the, you know, I was in the pool. I'm like, all right, jump in to my arms. And she stood there. I'm like, honey, you can do this. I'm right here. And she stood there. She's like, I'm not sure. I sank the last time. I don't want to do that again. I said, honey, I got you. She jumped. All right, put her back on there, took a step back. All right, honey, come on. And she stood there, like, I don't know. And then she finally jumped. And then I stood back again, I was like, all right, come on. And she's like, you're really far away. <laughs> I don't know. 
And she jumped. Because she was, again, fully convinced Dad was going to catch her. Fully convinced. To the point where today she loves the water. She's paddle boating and she's skimboarding and all kinds of fun stuff. The thing is, is a lot of times we get to the edge and our Heavenly Father's there going, jump. And we're petrified. We're terrified. Because some stuff didn't work out before. I trusted you. We thought we trusted you, but it really was our plan that failed. Because he didn't call us to jump. We just jumped, expecting him to catch us when he wasn't even looking, so to speak. But we can trust God. We've got to trust God. So I'm always blown away that we can trust him for eternity, right? Because it's way out there. But why can't we trust him for today? The things of today? The needs of today? We're trusting him for our eternity. We're trusting him that we are not going to get sent to a place of fire and brimstone, but of beauty and his presence. We're trusting him for that today if you're in Christ. Why can't we trust him for today's needs? Why can't we trust him for the things of today? Fueled. Nope, that's wrong. I'm ahead of my notes. Sorry about that. Abraham knew God's promises and experienced God keeping them. And beyond that, it was counted to him as righteousness. See, we are righteous in Christ. We don't feel that way often, but we are. Thirdly, he freely shared with others. Abraham's faith was anchored in giving glory to God, fueled by God's omnipotence, and finally freely shared with others. Verse 23, it says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed or credited to him, but also for us. Think about that. Isn't that cool? God knew you would be sitting here today. God knew you were going to need this. And you were in his mind's eye when this was written. That's how intimate God is. That's how intent he is on things. That's how personal he is. But also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Our life should be a living gospel all the time. Christ should be seen in us continually. You look at Abraham's life and you look at the things he did, and again, it wasn't about being perfect, but it was about being completely yielded to God. Waiting for his voice, listening for his voice, watching what his plans were, and being sold out completely for him. His faith was being exercised, exercised, exercised. He wasn't growing in faith. God wasn't giving him more faith. God was strengthening his faith because it was being exercised. Because Abraham jumped off the edge, jumped off the edge, jumped off the edge into the Father's arms. And his faith 
was strengthened. Now, if we're not operating in faith, we're typically operating in fear, which is exactly the opposite of faith. And there's kind of a continuum there. <laughs> sometimes we're, we're a little bit more faithful than fearful. Sometimes we're a little bit more fearful than faithful. But we should be operating in faith, full faith, completely sold out, yielded to the Father. Because fear is going to stunt us. Fear is going to rob us. Fear is going to prevent us from moving forward. It's going to keep us on the edge. We're never going to jump. That's where fear will keep us. Abraham's faith was anchored in giving glory to God, fueled by God's omnipotence, and freely shared with others. How's that going for you? Is your life a testimony? Is it a witness? Are you a testimony? Are you a witness? And again, sometimes it's by what we're saying, but sometimes it's by how we're living. The choices we make, the choices we don't make. Sometimes it's, it's by avoiding or eliminating toxic people from our life. Sometimes it's by inviting people that need to challenge us into our life. Help us grow further beyond where we're at. That gets hard. Because we like comfort. We like a little comfort zone there, right? It's like, I'll go to this edge, and I'll go to this edge, but I'm not going to step out of my comfort zone. Because that's scary. <laughs> because that, that's where God works. Because we have to trust him. See, in our comfort zone, we trust us. I can do this, and I can do this, and oh yeah, I can do that, and feel comfortable, because it's our comfort zone. But he wants us to step out, because guess what? When we step out, people are going to go, well, how come you did that, or how come you said that, or why didn't you this, and how come that? And you're going to have to go, God told me. And then you're going to have to question, why are you listening to God? Because I'm a Christian. Why are you a Christian? And some people get stumped at that question, <laughs> which blows my mind. But that's where God, God works in that realm of outside your comfort zone. And when we do that, that's when our faith is strengthened. And it's grown to a point where it's, it becomes stronger. It's like that muscle, you know, that you use and you use and you use. Stronger and stronger in that sense because you've exercised it fully. All right, we got to cruise on here. We've got a couple more things to say, and then we're done. Our Father's Day focus, really. Is, this is going to be the last, kind of, we've got five things to share. It's not just for dads. This is for single people. This is for teenagers. This is for children. This is for grandparents. It's for everybody. But Abraham believed God. His God is able to give life to the dead and call things that are not as they appear. You're like, what does that mean? In Christ, when God looks at us, when God looks at you, you are holy, you are righteous, you are pure. Because that's how you are in Christ. And he sees you there, the finished product. <laughs> Because when all is said and done, that's where we'll be. You know, Scripture says he's, you know, we are seated in the heavenlies, right? Well, we're on earth, so how can that be true? You see, that's where God sees us. 
the finished product when all of this is finally done. And I don't know about you, but I cannot wait to be seated there instead of stuck here. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy life. I enjoy what's going on. But I am not enjoying the struggle. The flesh is annoying to me. The fact that there's this war that's going on, no fun. And there will be a time when all that's gone. I cannot wait. And it starts with our faith. So he believed God. Next, he believed God against hope. There was no human ground for any hope, but he believed God anyway. And his faith gave him hope. Out of faith comes hope. That's why it's so important. I mean, it's incredible. When we have a memorial service, the unsaved world is blown away. You almost seem like you're celebrating. You almost seem like it's a good thing. You almost seem like it's a happy thing. Because we know in Christ, yeah, it is. Someone who is suffering and who is going through something is now free from all of that. And we rejoice. It doesn't mean we don't grieve. It doesn't mean we don't have loss. But we're trusting God and what he has to say. And it gives us hope. So he believed God. He believed God against hope. He believed against circumstances. The enemy will always provide circumstances that draw our focus away from God's power in our life. But God wants us to exercise faith in him anyway. Don't let circumstances dictate. Don't let it happen. Because the enemy can rob us. The enemy can fool us. The enemy can get in there and deceive. That's who he is. That's what he does. But if we can have a testimony and a witness and hope in those kinds of circumstances, we have a testimony and a witness. And God gets the glory. Because he's seen. Fourth, he believed against wavering. Keep jumping into the Father's arms. Abraham believed with all his heart. He was all in. In faith. And lastly, he believed God could perform whatever he promised. All human and natural circumstances were against Abraham, but he said, I know that God can do this thing. And we see that everything that Abraham had was by faith. So I don't know where you stand today. I don't know what your walk looks like. But it should be permeated in faith. It should be fueled. Encompassed by faith. Abraham's faith was anchored in giving glory to God, fueled by God's omnipotence, and freely shared with others. Leave the legacy. Start today. Walking in faith. Showing the world, showing the family, showing your neighbors, showing everybody what that looks like. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. And Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, sometimes we waver because we don't have a clear picture of who you really are in our life. It's warped or distorted or we've allowed circumstances to mislead us. But Father, we pray this morning that we're going to look to Abraham's faith 
and let it begin to change how we think about you. Let it enhance our understanding of who you are and how you work. Father, we trust you and we trust what you're wanting to do in our life. And Lord, when we get into those situations, when we hear your voice and we're moving towards you and we're standing on the edge, Lord, provide that strength we need to jump. That we would not allow the enemy to rob us of you working in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for how you work. And we ask, Father, that when we walk out those doors that we would be changed today in Christ. And it's in your son's name we do pray. Amen. Um, connection table has changed a little bit, so there's a lot of stuff going on back there. So if you want to check it out, you can. Uh, there's a couple of stations back there that if you want to see what events are going on, uh, if you want to sign up for some of those events, you can do that right here, right now, on either one of the computer stations. And um, there should be somebody back there to man it to ask any other questions you might have. And you are dismissed.